Hey guys, I'm your host, Duke LaMastra, and you're listening to the Simple Power Podcast. In this week's episode, I'm going to give you a simple truth about worship that will help you overcome every obstacle, every challenge, and every attack of the enemy that you face. Stay tuned. Episode 8 starts right now. All right. Hey guys, welcome back to the Simple Power Podcast or welcome if this is the first time that you're here. So grateful that you guys are listening this week. If you haven't already subscribed, then go ahead and subscribe and I will be your best friend. If you like what you hear today, then uh, if you do me a favor and share it with somebody that you know that you think could benefit from it as well, that would just be fantastic. But you know, guys, as I was getting ready to record this week's episode, I started to think about some of the weapons that we have access to. You know, the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have so many weapons. We have so many resources available to us at our disposal. Like, just to name a few, you've got the blood of Jesus. You've got the name of Jesus. You've got praise. You've got worship. You've got thanksgiving. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside. Like, you have God living inside of you. Everything that Jesus did, everything that he accomplished on the cross, it's finished. He he said, it is finished. We live in the reality of the finished works of Jesus Christ. Like everything that he accomplished for you on your behalf, it's already done. You have the, I said you have the name of Jesus, but you also have all of the different names of God. Like he's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's your peace. He's Emmanuel, God with us. You know, we have all these different names of God. We have the the nature and the character of God. Just thinking about who God is, it releases so much strength in our lives. And when I just look at a few of these weapons that you and I have access to, I start to think, what is wrong with me? Like, like, why do I feel defeated ever? We should not feel defeated. We should not feel like, you know, we're being beaten and we're being destroyed. Like, yeah, I get that there's a lot of negative things that happen and there's, you know, circumstances going on and bad things happen and whatever. But even in the midst of all of it, the devil can't defeat you. He shouldn't be able to get our joy and to get our peace. And we shouldn't be giving these things up because they've been secured in us. It's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ that we have access to all of these things. But Here's what the enemy does. He attacks our minds. Every attack of the enemy comes in the form of thought. And if you're, you know, you might disagree with that statement at first, but let me tell you what I mean. Like, I understand that the attack itself might be represented by something physical. Like earlier this week, I had some car trouble. You know, sometimes you think, oh man, you know, my car just broke down. I had an issue with my car, you know, or whatever it might be. But I'm going to use that as an example just because it's in my mind right now. But look, the enemy is not after your car. He doesn't care about your car. What he's after is the thought process that follows. He's after that inner conversation that follows the physical thing that happened. You know, the, oh shoot, what am I going to do now? 
oh man, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I don't know what I'm going to do. What if I don't have the money? What if I don't have the time? What if I don't have this? What if this doesn't work out and then this goes wrong? And then, you know, we all know what it's like to kind of get into that downward spiral where we start worrying and getting frustrated and getting anxious and all that just stupid stuff that you and I all deal with. He's after the thought process. He attacks your mind. And his goal is to try to get us disconnected from worship. He can't do anything to actually separate you from God. He doesn't have that kind of authority. He doesn't have that kind of power. But the spiritual attack comes to get you to question God, who God is, to get to, to get you to question the nature of God, the faithfulness of God, or to get you to question your own identity in Christ. And I, I just, I personally believe that Every single attack of the enemy is an attack on identity. I was uh, thinking about Goliath and how, you know, Goliath was this great big giant and he was harassing the people of God, you know, day after day for weeks, harassing the people and talking bad about them and talking bad about God and all this different stuff. And this is going on for a long time and nobody wants to face him because nobody wants to get killed, but nobody thinks that they have what it takes to actually take down this great big giant. They were afraid. They were terrified. They were intimidated by Goliath. And then one day David showed up and David got his first look at Goliath and instead of responding like the rest of the people, he didn't become immediately intimidated by Goliath. He looked at Goliath and he, and he was like looking around like, all right, all right, guys, who's going to take him on? Who's going to go fight this guy? Who's going to shut this guy up? And nobody moved. Like nobody wanted to fight him. Nobody wanted to do anything about it. And so David's like, all right, well, if you guys aren't going to fight him, then I'll fight him because this is not okay. So David saw differently and he thought differently than the rest of the people. David's mindset had been developed through worship. David learned to be a worshiper. David spent a lot of time out in the field with the sheep and he would worship God. That's who he was. And so David's mindset was developed in a different way. And so when the giant came, when the giant showed up, David knew how to respond. David didn't go looking for a fight. He wasn't looking for a giant to take on. He wasn't there because he's like, oh, I hope I can uh, fight a battle today. He wasn't looking for it. I don't know. I think that sometimes we can be way more battle conscious, way more devil conscious, way more demon focused than we need to be. The greatest battle is fought on your behalf as you worship. See, when we are faced with a situation, when we're faced with a giant, when we're faced with a circumstance that's impossible for us to handle in our own strength, we don't look at it and and, and say, oh man, I got to run the other way or oh man, I got to give up or I got to quit or I got to do something else or I just got to figure this out on my own or whatever. We can look at it the right way because we've become acquainted with who God is, with his nature, and so we can respond accordingly. One of the stories that I really, really love in the Bible, it it actually starts in Matthew chapter 3 and then goes into Matthew chapter 4. This is where Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. At the very end of chapter 3, it says that suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this is God the Father 
thundering from heaven, declaring over Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Just beautiful, incredible words of love and affirmation from the father to Jesus. Now, if you go to the very next verse, which is actually the next chapter, Matthew chapter four, verse one says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came, he said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. So Jesus receives this word from his father. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I love you, son. I'm well pleased with you. And then Jesus is immediately, he goes out into the wilderness He's in this wilderness setting, this wilderness experience for a 40-day period. He's not, he's fasting, so he had nothing to eat the whole time. He's under spiritual attack. And at the end of the 40 days, the, the devil is like, all right, Jesus, if you are really the son, if you are the son of God, what was he doing? He was pointing back to that word that Jesus had received just a couple verses earlier. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen, every single time God speaks to you, every single time God promises you something, the enemy is going to come and try to throw some dirt on it. He's going to try to distract you from it. He's going to try to make you think that, oh yeah, you can't really listen to that. God didn't really say that or, you know, whatever tactics he's going to use. But he wants you distracted from the truth of what God has said, from the truth of what God has promised. So he's like, Jesus, if you are the son of God, then command these stones to become bread. In other words, if you are really the son of God, if you really believe what God said, then prove it, then do something. And one of the greatest lies of the enemy is to try to get you to equate your relationship with God with works. Like you're only as valuable to God as the things that you can do for him. You're only valuable to God as long as you're serving. You're only as you're only valuable to God as long as you're doing something for the body of Christ. You're only valuable to God when you're performing. And he, he wants you to think that you've got to do something to earn this position that you have, this position of sonship or daughtership, this position in the presence of God that you have to do something, act a certain way, be good enough to receive his love and affirmation. You know, it's just an absolute lie. But anyway, Satan was tempting Jesus. He attempted him three different times. And so the first time he's like, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And then Jesus is like, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And then Satan takes Jesus up onto the pinnacle of the temple. And he's like, throw yourself down and all this stuff. And Jesus, he's like, no, the the word of God says this. Do not put the Lord your God to a test. And then the enemy comes, Satan comes with the third attack. And it's in Matthew chapter four, verse eight. And it says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, we've got a problem here because the devil is showing Jesus the kingdoms of the world saying, listen, I'll give you all this stuff if you just bow down and worship me. My problem is that the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That all of the people in this world, they all belong to God. God is the creator. He created the heavens and the earth. So how is it that the devil was able to take Jesus up on this exceedingly high mountain and show him the kingdoms of this world and then be like, hey, I'll give you everything if you'll just worship me. Listen, you have to remember back to the garden. God gave dominion of this world to mankind. 
he gave man dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the whole earth. But when man disobeyed God and fell in the garden, that authority, that dominion was actually turned over to the devil. And so now the devil is standing here and look, Jesus came as a man so that he could be obedient in our place, so that he could suffer and die in our place, taking the penalty that we couldn't pay ourselves. And he did that so that he could take back the keys and he could give us authority. And before Jesus ascended back up to back up to his father after he had died and, uh, and risen from the dead, he said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. And then he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In other words, Jesus is like, I, all the authority has been given to me. Now, listen, I'm sending you out in my authority. So Jesus came to restore all things that had been lost in the fall. He came to restore us back to our rightful place, back to our right position with God. But listen, the devil is with Jesus and he's like, hey, if you just bow down and worship me, all of these kingdoms, I will give them over to you and I'll give them over to you right now. Now I'm going to use my imagination a little bit, but I just want you to think with me because this is what the enemy does to us so many times. Hey, listen, look, I know that you're here with an assignment. I know that you're here because, you know, you're being obedient to your father and you're here because you want to take all this back. You die for the sins of the people and all that kind of stuff. But look, you've been out in this wilderness for 40 days and I don't see God around here anywhere. I don't see God moving in your life. I don't see God being faithful to you right now. Look, you haven't even eaten in 40 days. Look, you've been under spiritual attack. Look, all this stuff is going on and just directing the attention away from the promises of God. And Jesus had a decision to make in that moment. Am I going to trust what my father said to me? Am I going to trust in the fact that I belong to him, that I'm his son, that he is faithful, that he is good no matter what? Or am I going to give in to this lie of the enemy? Because the enemy is like, look, if you just bow down and worship me right now, I'll give you all of this now. Forget about going to the cross. Forget about being obedient to all this stuff. Forget about all the stuff you're going to have to suffer. Forget about everything that you're going to have to do. Forget about all of it. I've got a much better way. And that is the trick of the enemy to convince you that there's a better way than God's way because God speaks, God promises. And then, Hey, maybe you don't see it happening right away. Maybe you start getting things together in your life or you're going after the plan of God for your life. And you start to realize some time goes by and you're like, Oh man, I'm just not seeing this. I'm not seeing this pan out. I'm not seeing what God said. And you can begin to doubt and waver. And then it's like, well, maybe I need to do this a different way. Maybe I need to do this my way. Maybe I need to go back. Maybe I need to do something different. Maybe I need to forget about this. Maybe this whole God thing doesn't work. Or maybe this whole, you know, promise thing doesn't work. Or maybe I never even heard God in the first place. Or whatever it is that causes us to become distracted from the original thing that God spoke and that God promised. So he says, all these things I will give you if you will just bow down and worship me. Now, look, I want you to to, to hear Jesus's response. Jesus says, away with you, Satan. In other words, get away from me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only you shall serve. Now the very next verse says, then the devil left him. Look, as soon as Jesus started talking about worship, 
the devil was gone. The devil was out of there. It was like, oh shoot, he just pulled the worship card. I got to go. Because here's the thing that happens. And here's the whole point of this week's episode. You are untouchable in worship. When you are in the midst of spiritual attack, no matter how bad it looks, no matter what it looks like, no matter how bad you feel like you might be defeated and how close you might be to giving up, even if you feel like you have already given up, whatever state you're in, if you will go back to worship, if you will worship God in the midst of it, look, this is what happens. The enemy flees from you because your worship disarms the enemy. Your worship causes the enemy to get away from you in defeat. Look, the devil didn't leave right away after the first attack, after the second attack. But as soon as Jesus mentioned the word worship, the devil was gone. He was out of there recognizing, all right, this is over. I don't have anything else to do here. There's nothing I can do because when a child of God stands in the place of worship, and let me just tell you what I mean by worship. Worship can be singing songs. It can be silent. It can be on your feet, on your face, sitting down. It's not about what it looks like. Here's what worship is. Worship is a posturing or a positioning of the heart. Position of the heart that says, God, this this is about you. I'm here for you right now. And when you are under attack and when things seem like they are going wrong, falling apart, When you just make the decision, because that's what it is, it's a decision. When you make the decision to worship, to position your heart, to to posture yourself in a position of, all right, God, I, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't get it. But hey, I'm here for you. I love you. And you just begin to direct your attention, your affection, your focus toward him. Guess what? It shuts the mouth of the liar. He has nothing else to say because again, you are untouchable when you worship God. You were born to worship God. You were created to worship God. And one thing that can never be taken away from you is your ability to choose to worship God. Look, in worship, it's you don't have to worry about being bigger than Goliath. You don't have to worry about being bigger than the giant that you're facing. That's not the point. You don't have to worry about having all the answers. You don't even have to worry about fighting the battle on your own. You don't even have to worry about fighting the battle at all. Because here's what happens when you worship, God fights your battle for you. So what if we could just see things differently? What if when the attack came, we just chose to worship? What if when it seems like everything's falling apart, we just chose to worship? What if when we didn't have the answers and we were confused and we weren't sure what to do, instead of getting annoyed and frustrated and angry and fearful, what if we just chose to worship? Because when you make the choice to worship God in spite of your circumstances, I'm telling you, it shuts the mouth of the liar. It disarms the enemy and he has nothing left to do but flee from you. Okay, everybody, thanks again for tuning in. Just a little bit of news. I've got a brand new book that's going to be launching later this week. It's called Simple Power, 
learning to draw from the supernatural resources of heaven. Obviously, a lot of the same concepts that we're dealing with in this podcast are going to be available in that book. Actually, the book came first and the podcast was sort of a brainchild of the book. But anyway, what I want to do, anybody who's part of my podcast family, like if you've already subscribed or you subscribe within the next day or so, I want to make sure that you get access to a free downloadable copy of my ebook when it does go live. So what I need you to do, if you're interested in that, if you know how to find me on Facebook, you can send me a direct message. If not, you can email me at duclamastra at gmail.com and just say, I subscribed. I'll know what that means and I'll make sure that I give you guys first crack at the book when it goes live just to say thank you for being here and supporting. So uh, anyway, that'll do it for now. I'm looking forward to be back with being back with you guys next Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Central. You have an awesome week.